Listener Production. Hello everyone, I'm Madeline Palmer and welcome to this extra episode of The Briefing. A warning, we discuss mental illness including suicide in this episode. Today, a proposed change that would be absolutely life-changing for tens of thousands of Australians. This form of gender-affirming care honestly saved my life. Gender affirmation surgeries help some transgender and gender diverse people feel comfortable in their bodies. There's a strong evidence for people that who need it, it's vital and effective treatment. A lot of participants saw a very significant reduction in self-harm, suicidal ideation, all these mental health, I guess, symptoms that really have an impact on an individual's life and their potential to live a long and fulfilling life. Observational studies and my clinical experience, it's definitely life-saving. But it's also incredibly expensive. Anywhere from $10,000 to $80,000 out of pocket to access gender-affirming surgery, even with private health insurance. For the first time, though, there's a serious push to make it free. I'm joined by listener investigative journalist Bensian Siebert, who's been following this story. Hi, Bensian. For those who aren't familiar, what is gender affirmation surgery and what does it use to treat? Hi, Madeline. So it's what it sounds like in the sense that it helps people align their physical body with their gender identity. And this can mean chest surgery, it can be in genital or facial or vocal surgery, and this is usually combined with hormone therapy. Now, not all trans or gender diverse people want or need gender affirmation surgery, but for those who do, it's really important that they get it Mm. because the kind of uh, discrimination that trans Australians often face in their daily lives for many people that can create mental illness, including gender dysphoria, suicidality and uh, anxiety. So it's really important that people who need this kind of care do get it. Every now and then I have these distinct moments of comprehension where I realise like there's just thousands of people that I don't know that just like hate my existence and that, well, yeah, it's definitely upsetting. There has definitely been... Um, unfortunate instances in the city and just things, um, name-calling, people shouting you on the street and things like that. I've kind of intentionally shielded myself from a lot of the rejection that would come from being from a small conservative town. Yeah, look, I can imagine that level of discrimination, Bensie, and and that level of ridicule is obviously going to have wide-ranging impacts, right? Uh, Absolutely, and so that kind of discrimination and that kind of stigma leads to a whole lot of um, mental health problems. And we need to be clear that being transgender or gender diverse is not a mental illness of any kind, but because in society there is uh, so much discrimination and stigma, those mental illnesses are much more common among trans Australians. So I spoke with Associate Professor Ada Chung, and she's the head of trans health research at the University of Melbourne, and she did a study that looked into the mental health impacts and the causes of suicidality among transgender Australians specifically. Of about 928 participants, there was a really high rate of um, depression affecting over 70%, and that 43% had attempted suicide, which is higher than any other community in Australia. We found that people were much more likely to report a history of attempted suicide 
if they were unable to access gender-affirming surgery. Look, there's some really concerning statistics there and they just sound really awful, Bensie. And uh, So what happens, I guess, when people are able to access these procedures? Um, well, I spoke with Tay, who's a non-binary person living in Melbourne, about their experience. What I felt on the inside didn't really match what was on the outside. When you're so anxious about something all the time, it fills up so much of your brain space. And after accessing HRT and top surgery, just the calmness in my brain (laughs) of not being anxious and worried and uncomfortable uh, thinking about it all the time is just like priceless. It's just wonderful. Tate's experience sounds really powerful, Bensian, but I can imagine they're definitely not alone. No, that's right. There's now a lot of evidence about the outcomes that uh, come from gender affirmation surgery and basically the evidence is very, very positive for the most part. Um, So a 2021 paper that I looked at from the Journal of Gay and Lesbian Health looked at 50 different studies or more than 50 different studies on the mental health outcomes from gender affirming surgery. I'm reading from it here. It says it found reduced rates of suicide attempts, anxiety, depression and symptoms of gender dysphoria along with higher levels of life satisfaction, happiness and quality of life after gender-affirming surgery. So pretty amazing results. Mm. And I spoke to a researcher and psychologist, Jamie Swan, who was the lead author of the review. A lot of participants saw a very significant reduction in self-harm, suicidal ideation, all these mental health, I guess, symptoms that really have an impact on an individual's life and their potential to live a long and fulfilling life. Let's go back to Ada Chung. The impact of gender-affirming hormone therapy or gender-affirming surgery is immense. This is what my patients tell me and this is what I see in the clinic every day. Observational studies and my clinical experience it's definitely life-saving. Okay, so there's clearly a huge need out there for these procedures and the outcomes, as you said there, Bensian, are generally very good. But how much do these surgeries actually cost? I can't imagine they'd be very cheap. Yeah, they're hugely expensive. Uh, Even if you've got the best health insurance, they can cost between ten dollars and up to $80,000. And obviously this is a, a group of Australians who... Um, face discrimination and disadvantage when it comes to things like unemployment as well. But for many people, the cost, even at that huge cost, is worth it. Here's Ophelia, who I spoke to. She's currently crowdfunding for her surgery. The cost for the that procedure is around $28,000. But then also budgeting into that having quite a lengthy recovery period, like around at least three months, they'll have to be taking off work and like having rent and money to live during that time as well. So like my conservative estimate of how much money I'll need for this is like 35000 and like probably closer to forty. Yeah, they're not able to save for anything else. And I guess all their focus is on this at this stage. But I'm sure you've spoken to other people in regards to their experience. Yeah, that's right. I spoke to Stella, who's a non-binary person living in Borloo, Perth. Something that weighs on me that much every day to have that surgery and that not be something that I need to think about. And when I look in the reflection, I'm like, yeah, that's me. And just feeling comfortable in that. I just, I can't even really conceptualise how much impact that's going to have on me yet. It would mean 
everything. Yeah, especially in this cost of living crisis that we're dealing with at the moment, everything's expensive. So having to savour that on top of life in general would just be incredibly tough. But as we said at the top, there's been a push for to make these procedures free. So tell us the latest. Yeah, so there's been an application from the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons for these procedures and all the related consultations to go on Medicare. And this is a historic moment for trans rights in Australia. It is the first time that there's ever been an application of this kind. Um, And the Society of Plastic Surgeons estimates that only in the first year, there would be some 47,000 people who would take it up. Mm. That said, though, there are a limited number of surgeons in Australia who perform these kinds of surgeries. And for a lot of people, they have to travel interstate or they have to get long hotel stays and take time off work. So there's still costs involved. And for some people, they would still choose to go overseas to have specific surgeries that they might not be able to get here, which again would cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, I'm assuming as well, um, being fully funded under Medicare, as you said, there would still be these barriers in regards to actually accessing this type of care too. But when will we know if these procedures are going to be funded under Medicare? So it's still a long while yet. The committee that advises government on what should and shouldn't go on Medicare, we'll meet and discuss this in December. So there's a really long way to go, but it is a first step. And for those who need this kind of treatment, it suggests a future where this kind of healthcare doesn't have to cost you everything that you have. Uh, let's give the last word to Ophelia. It would absolutely change so many people's lives and just, yeah. I don't know. It's, just, it's it'd be one nice little step towards living in a society that just like properly looks after its people. Mm, some really powerful words there, Bensian. And we'll have to follow this up at the end of the year. Thanks for bringing us this important story. Thanks very much. And a reminder: the number for Lifeline is thirteen eleven fourteen. Thanks for joining us on this extra episode of the briefing. Tom and the team will be back tomorrow morning from six a.m. Listener.